Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and I'm joined for Shooting the Breeze with Jamie Albrecht. Jamie, you love shooting the breeze, man. You really love shooting the breeze on this show. Do you know what? We get you on this show, and this is the perfect sort of segment for you because (laughs) this this is the segment where I know you excel in yourself as somebody who loves talking about the sport of boxing because of the fact that there is always something going on in this sport which it gives you reason to moan it gives you reason to criticize it gives you reason to fall out (laughs) of love with it doesn't it and i think this 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 episode jamie has got a lot of topics that we're going to cover so for the benefit of everybody listening the topics that we are going to cover for this particular episode we are going to talk about the Amir Khan drug scandal. We're going to talk about that, the drugs test, the failed drugs test, the British Boxing Board of Control's involvement in that and why it's taken so long to come out. We're going to talk about Anthony Joshua's performance, where he's at, where we think he's at, the slating that he's had on social media, his mentality. We're talk, talking about Chantal Cameron as well and Ellie Scottney. There's been a back and forth on social media. Ellie Scottney's been removed from that card where Cameron faces Katie Taylor. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Eddie Hearn giving an interview considering Texas as a state to apply for a license for Connor Ben. So there's definitely some worms to drag out of the can for that one. We're going to talk about yeah. Matchroom's new signings. Jack Catterall, Sonny Edwards, and Dennis Hogan. And we're going to talk about Josh Taylor, Tiafimo Lopez, and also Clarissa Shields' comeback fight after beating Savannah Marshall. So, Jamie, wow, there's so much to go through. But I think there's only yep. one one place to start here. 
and I think the Amir Khan drugs test, the failed drugs test, the British Boxing Board of Control's involvement in this and it not being announced for so goddamn long. What is your take on this whole situation? What's my take? I'm, I'm sick of hearing the, um, the term, I had half, it, it was like having half a grain of salt in a swimming pool. I'm sick of hearing that term because it don't fucking matter how much is in your system. Yeah, the fact is it was in your system. And don't sit there. And again, I made an apology before because, yeah, I may, maybe I am the perfect disciple for this podcast because I'm foul-mouthed and everything like that. But don't fucking sit there and tell me that you, oh, oh yeah, I, I must have shook hands with someone with this, with this on their hands. Don't sit there and tell me that. Let's just be honest. right? The reason why it was in your system uh, in such a minuscule amount is probably because you're you've got top doctors, top scientists on the payroll, and they're able to uh, advise you of the best masking agents to ensure that you're cycling properly, and therefore, you know you're only ever going to see a minuscule amount in the system. Let's face it. Stop, stop talking shit. Uh, you know you've got nowhere to. There's nowhere else to go now. You, you're not gonna. You're not gonna box again. You're not gonna play sport again for two years in general at any competitive level so just hold your hands up Amir you're a multi-multi-millionaire um, it really doesn't matter does it let's just be honest let's throw that that honest word that the H word that is so it's so seldom seen in boxing let's start being honest and maybe then we can move forward as a sport because everything is rotten the British Boxing Board of Control isn't fit for purpose you got fucking Conor Ben running around like a sport child, having a go at people, saying he don't want to speak to them because they've slagged him off. When Conor Ben failed a test, you're sitting there, Conor Ben, for example, and and you're having a go at the media for calling you out on your shit. You failed a test, whether you've done it deliberately or not. Strict liability. So we're able to we're able to turn around and criticise you. You're the one who failed, not us. Same with Amir Khan. I'm sick of the drug cheats. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name. I'm not gonna say his name on a podcast. But one of my earliest involvements in boxing was a very well known heavyweight at the time, uh, a, a big heavyweight. And you can probably work out who it is if you're a die boxing fan in Britain. Anyway, uh, he got done for 13 banned substances in his blood, and it broke in the broke in the Daily Mail. And uh, we spoke about his ban in order, and we were trying to like circumvent it to see where we could get a license, which is where you know Connor Ben's trying to go down that route at the moment. And I remember, you know, it wasn't a prevalent thing in in boxing at the time. You wasn't hearing about it every week about drug cheats and all that. And I called this particular individual an arsehole. I wasn't going to say it to his face because he's a big cunt, <laughs> but um, I said to him, I said, you, "You're an arsehole." Such and so and so, you know, and he went, You might call me an arsehole, Jay. He said, But I'm the tip of the iceberg. He said, And in a few years, you're going to be sitting there thinking to yourself, He's right. He's right in what he said. And I do. I look back on that conversation. I was 22 years old. Maybe I was green. Maybe I was uh, naive. But Jesus, you know, yeah, he was the tip of the iceberg. And it's, it's disgusting. It's demoralizing. And it, it makes me view the sport just as a, you know, uh, what another well-known podcast calls boxing the red light district of sports and it's because of shit like this it's making people fall out of love with the sport situations like this yeah. especially people that are considered to be 
heroes, so to speak, or role models is probably a better word. Role models of the sport are being found to have traces of X, Y, or Z in their system, whether knowingly or not knowingly, ingesting it in some way, shape, or form. I'm really, really struggling with this element of boxing at the moment, and I'm struggling to... To, to sort of side with anybody I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to sit here and, and, and slag people I'm struggling to sit here and try and defend people I'm sat in the middle thinking what is this sport actually coming to I think the one thing I will take away from this whole debacle is like the involvement again of the British Boxing Board of Control seemingly they seem to be doing the, 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 the things that you'd expect them to do a little bit with Conor Ben but seemingly here you know they knew about this situation with Calm a long time ago why is it only mm-hmm. just because why is it because he's gone behind closed doors tried to prove his innocence he said he spent a hundred thousand pounds to find out how he tested positive for a banned bodybuilding drug and mm-hmm. yet the british boxing board of control only then says something about it when amir khan comes walking out of a court and a reporter sticks a microphone in front of his face and says this is what's happened and Amir Khan has to give a little off-the-cuff statement and then all these reports come out from the Daily Mail and all these other places and then they have these interviews on on different shows and it's like, oh, for goodness sake, like, when is this ever going to end? Like, I go away, I go away for a week and I tune out of boxing because that's essentially what I did. I tuned out of most of it and then when I did have the odd flick through social media to see what was going on, I seen this and I'm like, for goodness sake, it's literally one week to the next week, someone is testing positive, someone has done something wrong in some capacity, a promoter's doing the wrong things or saying the wrong things or the board of control are not doing the right things, it seems to be the same vicious circle that we're going through of conversations yeah, about despair. certain people. You, dis- you despair, don't you? You, know you do, you do despair, and that's what don't turns you? Me into a cynical bastard. Well, I, I, I can I can understand why you're getting so animated about it. Why why you you start dropping the different swear words on this show, and I understand why you do that because I apologise. <laughs> I understand though. I genuinely, as a fan, first and foremost, I understand because this is the sort of conversation you would sit in the pub and have a chat with your mates on. You'd be like, such and such a body's this, such and such a body's that, or they should have done this, or they should have known that, and I just don't understand what difference this story now at this point is going to make whether he whether he knowingly did it whether he knowingly had it whether he didn't and it turns out he didn't have you know ingest it or know of it in any way shape or form even if this comes out and it actually turns out Amir Khan didn't do anything wrong regardless of whether he had a trace of it in his system or not his career's done anyway so why is this why does this need to be news now I think the biggest story behind this is why why is the British Boxing Board of Control only just saying something now it's come out? Why didn't they come out post-fight? Or if, if they knew about it prior-fight, why why wasn't it a controversy then? And uh, this is what I don't understand. You know, like, I think if people wouldn't have found out about it, we wouldn't have known about it. And that's the scary situation. The same with the Conor yeah. Ben situation. Like, if it wouldn't have been found out in the days prior to the Eubank and Ben fight ha- supposed to be happening, we wouldn't have been none the wiser to that. And we would have watched that fight and we would have seen a winner and then we would have seen the the aftermath of all this. So it, it's scary, the fact that there's people within this sport at all these different levels that are withholding this level of information 
uh, for the sake of, of of probably money more so than anything, and that that's what's scary about it. Because now, like you said earlier, this certain individual you was involved with years ago said the same words. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and it's starting to it's starting to make me as a fan feel like you know it is kind of going down that way. Like more and more people, more and more fighters are coming out. More and more fighters are getting caught. More and more fighters are. Uh, are getting ostracised now because of this happening, and yet we've still not got a resolution in some cases. And we've had previous instances where some of the top top boxers of the world in boxing are are still boxing and are still allowed to continue, even though they've tested positive and they've had these bans and then they've served them retrospectively or whatever it may be. It's it's just still happening. So to me, it just feels like. This is a huge problem in this sport, and all it's going to do is it's going to kill the sport off completely, and the sport's going to end up being resigned to to, to to the lower leagues. Eventually, this sport will end up going back to the lower leagues of what it once was, where boxing wasn't a prominent sport in this particular country. It'll end up being resigned to like the fifth, sixth, or even seventh best sport of the country. Everything else will start taking over because people are going to eventually get fed up with this and they're going to go, do you know what? I don't want to tune into this stuff anymore because all it is is just a bunch of guys at the top level that are lying and the boxers, the, the, the athletes, the role models, they're also lying as well. So people are going to end up not wanting to do this anymore and then it creates this horrible knock-on effect because then you get all the legitimate people that want to get involved in the sport you know i send my children to a boxing gym i want my children to first of all get fit and look after themselves but if they ever wanted to take their careers any further and actually get involved within the sport i don't think i'd want them to because of how corrupt elements of this sport actually are and how difficult it is to deal with certain individuals that have got nothing other than their own interests at heart and that is what is difficult as a fan for me to take i'm i'm literally getting to the end of my tether with these situations and it's getting to the point where it's like do i really need to sit here and rant about it on our podcast for any longer because it's going to become a boring topic at some point or is it just going to become the norm that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like, I, I I had become cynical over boxing because I do worry that, you know, every time every time the podcast starts, Jamie's there having a whinge. There's not much positive going on. And uh, you bring you bring that into it saying, you know, do, does it need to um, go to the lower the lower league, so to speak? Well, maybe it does. Look at Olympic boxing. You know, they're, they're looking at... Um, Taking boxing out of the Olympics because of the uh, because of the misdemeanors of the IEBA, is it the the Russian the Russian led organization? Yeah. Um, well, let's let's face it. Maybe that's what's needed. You know what I mean? Kickboxing in the teeth, as bad as it is for the fans, but it'll make people sit up and take notice and go, "Oh fucking hell!" You know, we're putting a lot of investment into these guys, a lot of investment into our Olympic boxing program and everything like that. We need to clean the sport up. Um, so, you know, as, as harrowing as it is, maybe boxing does need a relegation to a lower level just to make people sit up and take notice. And I also believe that the government actually needs to get involved to govern the to govern the sport because the British Boxing Board of Control haven't got teeth. You know, Tyson Fury tested positive for Nandrolone a, a few years ago. Um, and then suddenly, you know, he's going to sue the board and um, things just get swept under the carpet. 
you know, Conor Ben, this whole situation with Conor Ben. Um, I mean, to be fair, they are doing a lot more for that situation. They're, they're ringing round boards in America and everything like that. Um, but still, you know, they're just they're just showing themselves to be toothless at every single every single corner, and it's uh, they're not fit for purpose, not fit for purpose at all. And I think it's because they're an extra. They're they're not. Um, they haven't really got any legal legal standing properly. The board, have they? You know, you could just go elsewhere. Look at the Luxembourg thing when. Um, Derek Chisora and David Hayfork, that showed how toothless they were back then. That was 2012, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think the government needs to step in. We're talking about drugs in a sport where you can legally comatose, you know, render your opponent comatose. We're not talking about a tickling contest, as Ricky Atten likes to say quite regularly. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, that's all I can do is sigh and huff and a puff about it because literally it's just going to continue on. And I, th- I suppose once we get more knowledge of the American situation and you know we get more of a, a, an outcome on it, it'll be good to be able to sort of hopefully get an answer on it. But either way, no matter what happens, the guy isn't professionally boxing anymore. So it, it just feels like a bit of a sensationalised story but then also I think it's it's right that it's been brought to the forefront because of the fact that this guy is a role model to, to, to young Muslim fighters coming coming up through the ranks and has been a role model for many Muslim fighters that have come through the ranks for years and, and, and mm. how stringent they are within their religion not to, to do certain things you know you, would, you wouldn't expect it from someone like Amir Khan and I think that's what the, the, the sort of the shocker is here with this is like they're saying they're doing this and they're trying to get all these different things done. They were notified so many weeks after the fight happened, but yeah, it's taken what a year for anybody to even talk about it or it to be put out there or the British Boxing Board of Control to even acknowledge anything. You know, if they was to do anything, they should have just said, you know what, at this moment in time, we're gonna we're gonna suspend your license until we get the outcome of the investigations. But instead they've not said nothing until it's become public knowledge and that that's why the British Boxing Board of Control are getting slated because whilst in, in one hand they're trying to do the right things in terms of the Conor Ben situation by saying look you know we don't want Conor Ben having a license here there or anywhere and then in the other hand they're not telling us about situations like this regardless of the fact Ami is retired well, it still should have been mentioned it still should have been said because we don't know who else is doing this. We don't know how many other incidents like this that are happening behind closed doors that we're not getting told about. And, and how many more mainstream fighters, how many more fighters that have, have, have been at that level as Amir Khan's been at have done it and it's not been brought to public knowledge and have got away with it or have just been left to sort of deal with the, the aftermath in the background Well, none of us even know what's been going on. And it, it, it's scary to think that there's a lot of stuff here that goes on behind the background that we're not privy to that actually could lead us to believe and lead us to think that, like you said earlier, you know, the the situation you had all them years ago was literally the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I'll count it, or not counter your point, but I'll bolster your point about the British Boxing Board of Control. You know, they're trying to do the one right thing on one hand, but maybe if we consider that point, are they trying to do the right thing on one hand and... They're not telling us about everything because it's rife in the sport. And if they tell us about everything, it's going to show how fucking ridiculous they are and how unfit for purpose they are. You know, there is, there is that. 
Yeah, there is that. I, th- I think you know, there's 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 an element of liability from different people within this sport, and the problem is, is, is not everybody is taking the, re- the the relevant liability for it, and I think that's what's causing problems for for us as fans. You know, I've I've read statuses from people that I've, I know have been following this sport for many years as well, and they're saying very similar things to us, and just putting it on social media. We're just saying it and and verbalizing it on a podcast. You know what what many yeah. people are actually thinking. It's it is crazy to think of the amount of people that are kind of feeling very similar to this. I'm, I'm interested to hear what other people have got to say. And I, and I mean, the ship has sailed a little bit. It's not new It's not new news that we're presenting in this episode. It's, it's well over a week old, but I felt because I'd been away, it was it was necessary. And there were a few people that were that were commenting on, on some of the posts saying, you know, what do you think about this? So I thought it'd be good to kind of verbalise it in this episode as well. But it isn't the only thing that's gone on over the past week as well. We've more controversy, mm. more controversy with the situation on the Katie Taylor Chantal Cameron card in Ireland. Chantal Cameron has had to respond to a claim that she had a fellow boxer, Ellie Scottney, removed from the Katie Taylor undercard. Now, Ellie Scottney was due to face Shaneka Johnson for the IBF Super Bantamweight World Title in Dublin. She was fighting for a world title, her first opportunity to fight for a world title on a huge, huge card, and she was taken off it. Now, there's many stories floating about about how this has happened. There's been many statements that have been brought out in the aftermath. You've had Ellie saying her th- her piece. You've had Chantel saying her piece. You've even now had Shane McGuigan, Ellie's trainer, saying his piece to this, saying that there's never been a problem. They fought on the same cards before. Why is it a problem now? They never had any animosity towards Chantel when Chantel left and went with Jamie Moore. So why all of a sudden has it become a problem? The rumours out there are that it is down to a certain individual which is uh, affiliated previously with MTK Global. That was affiliated... Yeah, yes, yes, that's the one. Yeah, and I think you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out who that individual is, but that is one of the most wanted men in the world, who is still being seen in and around Dubai at the moment, and the general consensus from boxing fans and and people within boxing is that it has something to do with that certain individual and mm-hmm. yeah i don't even know what to say to this i just i just i just feel sorry for ella i feel sorry for chantel cuz i don't believe this is a direct decision of hers even though it must feel that way i do feel this decision has been made out of her hands and and she's just kind of being left to bear the brunt of it which is a, which is a shame really for her because you know why would she not want a, a fellow fighter a fellow female fighter on a huge huge card like this also fighting for a world title i mean ellie is going to get the opportunity still for the world title on a card a couple of weeks later i believe it's going to be on the josh warrington card but it's not the point, is it? This is this is one of the biggest cards yeah. for the year for the year for for female boxing. So, what what are you making of all this, Jamie? I'm just I'm really interested to know what your not, interpretation is. It's not really fair on it's not really fair on her, is it? Um, but I mean, there are some people saying that you know there's some sort of beef with Shane McGuigan, um, <clears throat> because obviously Chantel Cameron was with Shane McGuigan beforehand, and then that would before she moved to Jamie Moore. So that would point away from he who shall not be named um, because, you know, they're not affiliated with MTK anyway. Barry McGuigan has come out and openly stated his disdain for MTK and, you know, the work of uh, 
Mr. MTK. You know what I mean? Uh, I hope people are following this because we're not we've not used the name, have we? But I do hope people are following. So yeah, I mean, it could just be a personal beef. Um, if it is a personal beef between Chantel Cameron and and Shane McGuigan, then you know there's a lot of people that fall out with Shane McGuigan. So you've maybe got to look at why. You know what I mean? The bigger problem. Carl Frampton. He was a groomsman at Carl Frampton's wedding, and now Carl Frampton despises him. So maybe, you know, we need to look inward a little bit if we are Shane McGuigan and, and just think, am I doing something wrong here? I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it, it's difficult. People are putting statements out left, right and centre online and really we're kind of just grasping at what information they're putting out there and people are putting their own spin on it and then putting their their own versions of events up on social media. So it, obviously that sort of chat is influencing people's minds about who is in the wrong here and it's sad because each fighter respectively is getting attacked by the other one's fans you know on, on social media because you know one story is being told from one side and it's being told from another and it, it, it seems really sad really at the end of the day these are these are people that are fighting to be recognized fighting for that equality level and have got an opportunity to to be on a, a, a huge card and yet the politics again of boxing and the people behind the scenes are preventing it from happening and it's a shame it really is it, this, is, this is what annoys me with the sport again another another incident where you think to yourself poor Ellie's missing out Chantel's you know you can't even sit and just completely blame her unless she literally came out and said yes it was me I didn't want her on this card because of x y and z reasons I don't believe it's her. I believe it's people behind the scenes. I believe it's uh, Mr. Kinahan yeah. that's that's had this involvement in in this, and this is this is what it all points towards. I could be totally wrong. It could be completely somebody different. It could be something to do with Shane. It could be Jamie Moore. Even it could be something to do with him. I'm not suggesting it is actually him, but there's too many things going on behind the scenes for us as fans to really mm-hmm. know about. And I think that's what people need to understand. Like you've got to remember, like you see all this stuff on social media and not every single bit of it is true. Nine times out of 10, a lot of it is people adding on to stories that are already being reported. So it's a, like a big game of online Chinese whispers that you used to play in primary school. So you've just got to kind of take a lot of things with a pinch of salt and, and wait for some ultimate information to be out there before you can make a judgment on it which is why i don't tend yeah. to, to make a huge judgment or or tend to always side in certain situations because i think this is boxing and we know what boxing can be like at times so i think the good thing is ellie's still going to get a world title shot it won't be on the card That's she wants it to thing. be on yeah exactly jamie it is the main thing she's still going to get it it'll still be on a card with a significant fight on it it's just not the one that she absolutely would have dreamt it being on and i can understand the frustration behind that but i suppose we'll see as time goes on i suppose we'll see what does come of that situation whether anything more does come of that situation so that was another that was another thing that was that was a hot topic that i saw last week while i was away scrolling through social media seeing what was going on this was just all over the timelines everywhere i looked so i felt it was necessary to bring that up in this conversation so well, it's a very good point. It's another it's another facet of, you know, difficulty, isn't it, in the boxing world. So yeah. It is. And so is the fact that a certain promoter, Eddie Hearn, is considering the state of Texas for Connor Ben's return and also to be licensed. He's come out in an interview. I can't remember which media outlet it was, whether it was ID Boxing, whether it was Boxing Social or even IFL, I can't remember. And I seen it 
and I looked at it and I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just, I just yeah. laughed. I just laughed. That was literally my response. Like I just laughed and I thought, okay. So apparently now Texas is going to be the place where they're going to apply for a license for Conor Ben, which does back up the claims that he is going to fight again in the USA uh, and then potentially have a, a, a an opponent. Uh, we don't know who that opponent is going to be yet. They're saying it's going to be Eubank. They're saying it's potentially going to be Pacquiao. Me and Johnson spoke about this a few weeks ago, but what are you making of Hearn considering Texas as the state to go to for Conor Ben's license? Well, uh, he's got to try, hasn't he? Um, I think he's he's running out of options because the board, you know, the board are actually doing the right thing in ringing round people, um, ringing round people and asking them, you know, to reconsider. But yeah, I, I don't, um, I I don't think it's a good thing. Let's be honest. I, I bet you was going to think I was more animated, but I'm trying to sort of dial it down a little bit. <laughs> um, you know my feelings on you know my feelings on Conor Ben. To be honest, I, I don't really understand. He's not got a fan base out in Texas. Nigel Ben was very much a British fighter, if if you know what I mean, in terms of his appeal. You know, come home from the pub, watch Nigel Ben knock someone out on ITV, uh, or Chris Eubank sort of intermittently. He, he's very much a British following. So I don't really understand the the appeal of sending him over to America. And let's face it, he's not going to fight any of the top guys, so he's not going to draw that way either. Uh, where's the money coming from? Just fucking cut your losses and move on. He's a, he's a cheat. He's a cheat. Whether he intended to do it or, or not, strict liability. You're not keeping an eye on your food consumption. You're a fucking cheat. Uh, I don't want to watch you. I won't be watching you, and I will not. I, I won't contribute to any pay-per-view with him involved in. Not because, you know, yeah, it's rife, and I do enjoy watching Canelo. I've watched Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, my friend before, my friend before, the guy that, you know, I mentioned. I'm not going to name him, um, but I, I tuned in to watch him. The problem with Conor Ben is he's acted like such a spoiled brat. He's then been stupid enough to go on and have a... Uh, have a chat with Piers Morgan and make himself look like a right muppet. Uh, because he, even in that interview, he turned around and uh, he admitted that it was strict liability because Piers Morgan asked him about, you know, well, if this got into your uh, system, then how would it have been? And he said the food. So if it's food, but he didn't say it was eggs, if it's food, then it's strict liability. You're not watching what's going into your body. You're a cheat. You're a cheat. Stay off my TV. Eddie Hearn's just doing his job, really. He's, he's got a promoter fighter. I don't agree with the the way he approached it, you know, beforehand. He should have been called off immediately instead of trying to trying to worm his way out of it and all that. But at the end of the day, Conor Ben's asking him. Conor Ben's been cleared to fight by the WBC, so to speak, or they've not cleared him, but they've said he's he's innocent in some respects. So the Hearn's just getting paid. Drain him of all you can. Hopefully, he's getting paid by the hour. And Conor Ben still can't find a fucking fight because that's what I want to happen. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, Jamie. It's, it's a progressive situation. It feels like it's been going on forever. I mean, it has been going on mm-hmm. about six six months now since the fight was scheduled to take place. So it was just forever, forever going on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move away from this topic because I'm literally I'm getting fed up of speaking about it until we get a definitive on it. I don't think I'm interested in talking about it anymore uh, until we get something. I just felt I just felt more from the Hearn side of things. It was worth bringing up. Because 
because you know I've seen the interview and I'm thinking Hearn's still at it. He's still trying to trying to do that. He's still trying to make some money off Conor Ben by getting him a license over there and getting him a fight over there because they'll license him. Understandably, but it isn't the way to promote the sport. If you've got a guy in your hands here who hasn't had a definitive answer, why are you doing this? And, and I think that's what Johnston always well goes on about when he talks about the promoters. He's, he can't stand them for the fact that they're only in it for themselves, and it's just another example of, of why it comes across that way. So, yeah, that was another piece of, of, of rumours, of news, of whatever you want to call it. Hearn just chatting the waffle like he always does on camera uh-huh. just to create talking points on social media, which is certainly what he's done because we're talking about it. So that was another one I wanted to talk about. We also wanted to yeah. talk about Joshua's performance. Anthony Joshua, we didn't get a chance to do a reaction show because following the fight, it was it was holiday time for us and, and for family and we we didn't get a chance to really talk about that with Johnston, which was the plan really before we decided to break off and have our little bit of time away. So now the dust has settled, now his performance is done and dusted and now we've had the opportunity to really reflect upon on what potentially comes next for him after his victory over Franklin. Really, it, the conversation sort of lies around where he's at at the moment and where his career trajectory is going and... and you know, me and you actually had a conversation off the podcast about this, so we kind of repeating the conversation we've already had. But yeah, we talked, exactly. we, but they didn't hear it, so you know. We talked about his performance. We talked about how he got on. We talked about what we felt about it. I said on my own social media account on the night of the fight, I just felt like Joshua was a guy that didn't look like he wanted to be in the ring anymore. That maybe the the years of expectation on his shoulders have become too much, and it seems to be taking his toll. And and I, the reason I said that was because I look at his actions, look at his body language, look at the way he was after the fight, pushing and shoving Franklin around, sort of out of character stuff. People put that down to him just being someone from the street. I see people talking about that, saying, "Oh, this is the real Joshua. This is the street Joshua." I don't know. I I genuinely still believe that this guy is is not in 100% the right state of mind and and having my own well having 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 struggles in my own life and you've had struggles in your own life you you can see it a mile off when you when you've been to that point of your own personal life whatever it may be that's put you there you can see it a mile off with someone else. You really can. And you can see that there's there's something going on there with him. And I don't care what people say, whether they think, oh, it's just all part of the big picture and the big plan and all this stuff. And I'm not 100% sure. I honestly think, like, he comes up now against another big opponent. And I, I think his confidence is gone. I think he's, 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 he's gun shy. He's not willing to... To, to let it go anymore in fear of what's coming back. He he really does remind me of the latter end of Frank Bruno's career when any time he got clipped or got bullied in the ring, he went into his shell. Joshua at times looked like that to me in that fight. In the aftermath, his confidence, his body language, his eye contact, his, his glazed over eyes, I just didn't see that same Joshua there. And I don't think I've honestly seen that since post Vladimir Klitschko in 2017. I mean, that was the last time I seen that hunger and desire really in his eyes. I think once once he had that fight and once Ruiz knocked the stuffing out of him, I think for me that that's where his confidence levels have gone because then he's gone into yeah. all these all these big fights. He played it really safe in the Ruiz rematch. He got the win. Yeah, okay, he beat he beat Pulev and you know, you think Joshua's back. Then he goes in twice against Usyk and he just looks out of his depth completely as a 
mini mental breakdown in the ring after the second Usyk fight, and and then you see what you see against Franklin. I, I'm I'm not seeing good signs personally. I really am not. No, neither am I. I, I think you know he's he's got um, he's got a couple of well, he's got at least under a million in the bank. I would imagine. So go and spend it. Do you know what I mean? Spend it. Um, you, you know he's got a son as well. He's got a son. Go and go and spend money on your son. Spend time with your son. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone, Joshua. You know he's he's won that world of weight title. He's in a, a group of he's in a select club. You know he's won it back. Um, he's not going to win it again because the guys at the top are just too too skilled for him. Um, Usyk and Fury, and I think Joe Joyce. You know we've alluded to that point before. Joe Joyce, I think, could deal with him quite handily. Um, so, you know, cut your losses, Joshua. You know, you don't need the money. Stop trying to squeeze more out of the sponge, so to speak. Um, go off, enjoy your life. Be, be an inspiration to people. Train fighters, you know, let, let's face it. He's still an elite boxer. Um, whether he can do it at elite level now is is questionable. But you don't win Olympic gold medals without having elite sort of skill. So go and, go and pass it on to the next generation. Nothing to prove disappear because if you're not convincingly beating the Jermaine Franklins of the world, Jermaine Franklin's a good fighter, but you know, is he ever going to mix it with the, the top level and, and come out successfully? I don't think so. And Joshua labored against him. And also when he was clinching, I don't know if you noticed, Sean, he, he didn't look like he wanted to be there. He, he just looked, that's you know, my point. he looked like he wanted a way out, didn't he? You know? yeah, that's my point. Yeah. So that's exactly what I saw. I saw the same thing. So I'm looking at his corner multiple times throughout the course of that fight during, during bored. the middle of it. He looked bored as well. I don't know if you've got that impression. Every time he was being held rather than sort of really try and, you know, I, I use Ricky Hatton as an example for, you know, when things were going wrong with Ricky Hatton or there was a bit of foul play involved, Ricky would give it back. He'd punch a fighter in the bollocks or, you know, he'd, he'd get a bit aggressive, a bit passionate. The only passion we saw from Joshua was after the fight. Um, you know, and even then he was trying to hold. Like, there was no punches thrown. Uh, he was just trying to hold. So why didn't we see that passion beforehand? You know what I mean? Okie dokie. So let's move on to other talking points then for this Shooting the Breeze episode, Jamie. Talked at the top of the show about a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. A couple of new matchroom signings. Sonny Edwards, which wasn't a surprise. Jack Cattrall wasn't a surprise. Dennis Hogan, I was very surprised at, to be honest. So out of them three signings, I wasn't expecting Dennis Hogan's name to pop up as a new matchroom signing, but he, he has been confirmed as a new signing and has got a really yeah. good fight coming up. But Jack Cattrall, Sonny Edwards, they are at certain stages of their careers. Obviously, Edwards is champion, IBF champion at the moment. It looks like he's the best of the division. We need to see him fight Bam Rodriguez, who just got a great win over the weekend, just gone. Jack Cattrall... We haven't really seen anything significant for him since losing controversially to Josh Taylor, who's now fighting Tiafimo Lopez. So what are you making of the matchroom signings, And Do you think it's a good move for these guys? It's a good move for Sonny Edwards because all the, all the top flyweights are still there. Um, so, you know, he's he's been saying he wanted to fight you, but he wanted to fight the best for so long. Um, and, you know, he's, he's making moves to prove that, you know, siding with Eddie. And even though he's been very critical of Eddie, um, he's still showing that, you know, it doesn't matter whether I like you as a person, I want the best fights. And I, I've i made no secret on the podcast that I used to do with uh, Barks Jammer, um, the main event boxing show, saying Sonny's our best fighter. 
um, our best fighter in Britain. So, you know, this just cements that for me. He wants to go after the big fights. And we'll see, won't we? Bam Rodriguez obviously broke his jaw in the fight at the weekend. Um, so there's going to be a bit of time elapsing before that fight can happen. Um, but, yeah, it's a move in the right direction. Jack Catterall, I'd just be glad to see him back in a boxing ring. He's had a horrendous year. And I think, you know, he could have moved a bit quicker in terms of securing another fight when Josh Taylor was sort of shuffling his feet a little bit. But, um, you know, the fact is he's back in the ring. Maybe we can get a bit of momentum going and the true lightweight champion of the world can uh, crack on. Well, Josh Taylor as well. Obviously, we might as well mention Josh Taylor now because he's fighting Lopez, isn't it, Tiafimo? And he's defending that one title he's clung on to in that super lightweight division, light welterweight division. And he's not taking the Catterall fight. The Catterall fight's not happening. That's the one we all wanted to see. But from a business perspective, I think it's a pretty shrewd move to be fighting Tiafimo Lopez because Tiafimo brings that reputation, that name, even though I believe he is not the same fighter he once was, I still believe he brings that reputation that Catrill didn't have going into that fight. And I still, you know, with all due respect to Jack, I don't think he has that same magnitude, that level. I think with Lopez, he, he kind of, not only was he a fighter, but he had this little bit of celebrity status in the US as well. And I think that's what he brings with it. And I think this is what Josh Taylor and his team are probably thinking is, which fight am I going to get the most money from? Which fight is going to secure my financial future? And logically, the fight with Lopez is the one that's going to do it, isn't it? Because why are you going to fight Catrill, mm-hmm. take a big risk, even though people are going to slag you off to high heaven because they believe you lost that fight? Why would you then turn down an opportunity to fight somebody who can bring a lot more to the table? You're not going to. I think I think logically, as a businessman, you're not going to want to do that. And and whilst I don't agree with it, as a boxing fan, I want to see him rematch Catrell. It ain't happening. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, you know, this fight with Lopez, if Taylor wins it, which I think he, he quite possibly will do, I think he then moves on yeah. and gets another bigger fight. And then Catrell just gets left behind, which is a really sad state of affairs. I just hope the move for Catrell to match room that we're talking about is the one that will get him other big fights in the division. He's talked about fighting Regis Progre. I think that would be a great fight for Catrell to cement himself on the world stage again. Yeah. I would say so. Um, I mean, like I say, you know, we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction. He's uh, He's gone to another promoter. I did, I'm a bit underwhelmed by the opponent, to be honest with you, um, Jack Catterall. But like I say, any anything is a, anything's a, a step in the right direction, isn't it, when you've been out of the ring for how long is it now? 13 well, months? Yep, well over a year, yep. Yeah, exactly. So um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. I'm happy with the progress these lads are making. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Sonny Edwards going to matchroom because I think he obviously, I think you nailed it really when you said mm. Sonny Edwards might not like Eddie Hearn but he knows he needs him to make the moves he needs to get the, the, the belts and the bigger fights in the division and that's just someone who again is using, using shrewd business sense to do that. So I can't follow yeah. him for that at all. Uh, Jack Catterall obviously sees an opportunity where maybe he can get bigger fights, which will give him a better payday, which will ultimately lead to a potential world title shot, which he does deserve, absolutely does deserve. But then you've got obviously Dennis Hogan on the outskirts, who I think is 
oh, it's bloody good business for Dennis Hogan getting this because, you know, I honestly don't look at Dennis Hogan as a matchroom signing. I honestly don't think he's, you know, the type of guy I would have always... This is the same Dennis Hogan who fought Jimmy Kelly a few years ago, who I thought Jimmy Kelly had a really close fight with. And this is the same Dennis Hogan who I don't think is as good as maybe what a matchroom fighter's level is normally expected to be at so I am surprised at that but I'm not going to say that isn't a bad move for Dennis because it's a great move for him it'll secure him three fights which is what's in the deal three fights three hopefully good paydays he might end up testing himself against guys that are better than him he might end up losing but if he's getting paid at the end of it all then fair play to him yeah exactly and that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day they're not in it for just the glory. It's, it's the uh, it's the paycheck as well, isn't it? It's prize fighting at the end of the day. Makes a difference. It really does. It really makes a difference. And these guys need to be getting this this level of money in their careers. So yeah, that was that was the other thing. I think the only other thing I haven't really touched on. It's not major news. It's Clarissa Shields' next fight against Hannah Gabriel's, who she fought a couple of years ago and beat. And now she's fighting her again in a return to America after beating Savannah Marshall. I'm just a bit underwhelmed with that as an opponent because I, I believe Gabriel's has not been active for quite some time as well. And I just think, you know, you say you're the greatest woman of all time. Why have these fights not materialised with the likes of Tasha Jonas or or the rematch with Savannah Marshall, who's going a different route now? I just This is what annoys me with boxing sometimes. You think, okay, Shields-Marshall is still a big fight to make as a rematch. It, it makes more sense to do that and to fight someone who's not been active for so long but this is boxing Mm. and and I think if Shields is going to go out there as the greatest woman of all time I think there's still a few things she needs to do before she can honestly honestly say she is the greatest woman of all time at this present at this present time you know the best fighter of this generation is probably Katie Taylor Katie Taylor is the best fighter of this generation. I think then Shields comes second, and then it's a bit of a scramble for the next few in line as to where we are at the current crop of, of fighters in in female boxing. But if Shields yeah. wants if Shields wants to label herself that name, I think she's got a lot more to do than fighting Hannah Gabriel's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. And uh, Katie Taylor as well. I think the fact that she's had such a um, she has such a positive impact on on like a nation as well. Like, I I struggle to name someone the greatest woman of all time, just when I don't really like him as a person. You know, when they grate on me. I mean, it took me ages to acknowledge the greatness of Mayweather because he's a dickhead. So <laughs> maybe I'm letting personal feelings creep in, but you know. No, I understand. We feel the same about Mayweather as well, me and John. So <laughs> we always do. We can't argue with his greatness, but we can certainly argue with his attitude at times. And I think Savannah. And that's why I'm, that's why they're on the Audi, Mister Brown, isn't it? You know, because we, <laughs> we obviously share similar mindsets. Yeah, I think it's that southern similar mindset. I think you 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 sort of perceive things in a certain way, which is why I, I, I love both of your perspectives on the show. Um, but you know what. Jamie, I think that's about it for this shooting the breeze. We've covered quite a lot for it. And I hope to everybody listening, I hope you guys have enjoyed our perspectives on it. Or do you know what? If you haven't and you've absolutely got something you need to say about what we've said in this show, then please just do it. 
tweet us at BTR Boxing Pod or send us a Facebook message or comment on the Facebook post or you know, the Instagram post when it goes out promoting the episode, please just let us know what your thoughts are on it all. We know we're not perfect. We don't know all the, the facts and figures about absolutely everything to do with drugs testing and VADA and WADA and UCAD and all this stuff. But what we do know is, is boxing. And what we do know is, is how these things come up more often than not and how we end up having to talk about them more often than not. So if you've got any thoughts, feelings and opinions on any of the stuff we've talked about in this show, please do let us know on any of the social media channels. But that is it for this episode. It's been a while shooting the breeze. We need to get this back rolling yeah. more often. We definitely do. But I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed having you on again, Jamie. I'm sure you've enjoyed uh, the <laughs> the place to vent, as it always is. There's a good place to vent exactly. about about boxing. Um, but for you guys listening, thank you, as always, for listening to us. Thank you so much for all of your support. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shooting the Breeze. Podcast Network.